Honey Badger's comeback gets put on pause. Max Verstappen ties Sebastian Vettel's record for most consecutive wins at his home race, nonetheless. And Zanvoort gives us just about everything you could ever want in a Grand Prix weekend. We are your hosts. This is uh, Into the Chicane of Formula One podcast. I'm Channing Apodaca. The man across the screen is the one and only DJ B. Wood. What's going on? How you doing, my brother? My brother in Christ? Good. <laughs> I'm still trying to recover from this weekend. Uh, I was in full uh, Dutch trance party mode all weekend. Yeah, so. was the bass thumping at your house? or Just what? a little hungover, but... Yeah, I had the had the the lights going crazy. I had the bass pumping. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's exactly what the Wood household was like. Um, before we really get into shit, uh, I want to remind you guys: please stop what you're doing right now. Go to our homepage. Pause this video. Go to our homepage. Subscribe to the YouTube. Like this video. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, X, Threads, Needles, Pins, Pixie. What what else is there? Whatever other apps are coming out, follow right. us there. We're going to have one. Grinder, we're on Grinder. Swipe right on us. For the love of God, we need to grow this. Um, we come in to you guys with a, a little bit of a delay on this one. We had some personal issues that we had to attend to, but we're back, and we're doing a two for tonight. Um, the Dutch Grand Prix, Brandon Wood, um, out of the gate, I'm going to say candidate for race of the year. We'll talk more about it at the end, but holy goddamn okay. shit. I think... The Netherheads in the fans, the Orange Army said it all. That, let, like, that literally was one of the biggest parties I think I've ever seen at a Grand Prix weekend. Yeah, considering the weather and how high the vibes were, it was altogether, I think, a great weekend. The vibes were immaculate. You could eat off those vibes. And the Riz levels were at an all-time high. It was, it was unreal. And this is a, a race that I think, despite the fact that I like it because it's such a different track, it's very tight, it's very interweaving, um, and the banking, and the fact that it takes place on the beautiful beach of Zandvoort, like, I, I've always just really liked this track. In the 2-3, I guess this is the third year it's been back. Yeah, I kind of forgot how fun this track was. Well, it, it can kind of, I mean, I think we've seen it be not as fun, but holy shit, was this just an epic weekend let's start before we get into the race itself let's start with one of the biggest stories uh coming out of the weekend possibly one of the biggest stories of the year with some of the biggest implications daniel ricardo fp what was it one or two two fp2 turn three the big banking corner his best buddy in the world his countryman his fellow aussie oscar piastri puts it in the wall somehow daniel ricardo doesn't spot him I guess you'll kind of give him credit. It was a little bit of a, a late break for him to be able to stay out of trouble there. Piastri puts it in the wall. Daniel Ricciardo follows behind, and I think his mind must have still been in vacation mode, not in racing mode, because he forgot to let go of the wheel. And what happens when you don't let go of the wheel and you put it in the wall? It breaks your fucking arm. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I think that corner it's a it's a tough spot that he was in, but at the same time, you know, I I, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's hard to say. Like, what what do you do? I, I I heard one thing where he was saying that he was worried about hitting Oscar. So I think that kind of what a guy, be, what a savior. 
you know, maybe that was the thing that was going through his mind instead of take your hands off the wheel, you know, but he did. It's, it's, if you go back and watch it, he did kind of awkwardly turn into the wall. It was, it yeah. was a weird, it was a weird little shunt that he had. Um, but he, he, like I said, he, he forgets to take his hand off the wheel. It snaps the, a couple of metal t- metatarsals in his hand. So it didn't actually break his arm. He broke a couple of small bones in his hand. Yeah. But uh, heartbreak for him. He's only two races back into what's supposed to be his comeback. And the greatest thing that could possibly ever happen to Sergio Perez happens. And that is that Daniel Ricciardo was taken out of the seat and replaced <laughs> with Liam Lawson, who good on Liam Lawson. He came in with just one single practice, which was soaking wet and mm. had a pretty goddamn decent showing. Qualified yeah, 20th. Yeah, qualifying wasn't that great for him. It, he it he had bursts. Tricky. He had bursts of speed though. There was a, a minute there where I think he was running like P twelve, P eleven, until it came down to you know the the shootout there at the end where everybody gets their last flying laps in. But he was looking pretty pretty racy there in qualifying for a spe- split second. Yeah, I didn't really get a chance to go through and like watch his race race particular very closely, but. Mm-hmm. Starting on the grid in 20th and finishing 13th with all those conditions and all the possible opportunities to like make a mistake, I think that's uh, that's pretty great for uh, rookie, you know, first drive. Yeah, I mean, outside of getting points, that's about as good as you can ask for. There was one point in the race where he overtook Charles Leclerc, so I don't know if that's a he uh, overtook he overtook Max, who Liam Lawson. Yeah. When? Uh, apparently, at some point, I saw, I saw some, something that he uh, he passed Max. Um, uh, I would have to look that up. See. I do not remember that. I remember him overtaking. That would have to be under some sort of a tricky circumstance. You know, yeah, Max fresh like, out of the pit or something like that. Liam yeah, unlapping himself. It was. But he genuinely overtook Charles Leclerc for position. Not an unlapping, nothing goofy. You know, not no wet race shenanigans or any bullshit like that. It was a genuine overtaking, but good on Liam. Um, and then we go into qualifying, and Sergio Perez has a little bit of another stinker. He puts it seventh. Logan Sargent becomes the first American to go into Q three in over ten years since God. It had to have been Alexander Rossi, or I doubt it was Scott Speed. I don't think he ever put it top ten, but. First American into Q3 in 10-plus years or some shit like that. Uh, and Hell then, yeah. Yeah, that was great, and he had a pretty pretty decent showing in the race until he decided to bin it for no reason. Did you see the explanation as to what happened? James Val said that he had a suspension issue or a hydraulic uh, issue. Yeah, so when he hit that curb that he had been hitting all race and, and he didn't have the proper, I guess, downforce because of the the hydraulic system and the suspension all that stuff and he just lost control so well you hate to see it i know liam or not liam uh logan <laughs> logan logan was super super upset about it how funny was that to see him still sitting on the side of the track like with his head down 30 laps later yeah just oh did he just, stay there that long yeah, I don't, I don't know how long exactly he was stuck out where his car was, but they they panned to him uh, like around lap 40 or so, and 
he was still sitting <laughs> off somewhere by himself, just staring off in the distance, thinking about <clears throat> whether or not he's going to be back in that car next year. Dude, I mean, you could see it in his body language and then hear it in his voice that that was like, that could have been his career. I think I might have even had that in my notes. Um, yeah. You, yeah, it's he, tough because, you know, it's not really his fault, but at the same time, him missing out on a possible, like, points finish... Like, that, that was his first huge. points right there. That could have been huge for him uh, this year and could have guaranteed to see for next year. Maybe. Uh, but, yeah, you, you hate to see it. Yeah, poor guy. I think uh, I they, they can use the hydraulic issue excuse if they want and all they want. But if he was hitting that curb too hard and too frequently that's kind of on him he's causing unnecessary damage to that car and it's it's not not that it yeah it wasn't that it was he was causing damage by hitting that curb but that was what sent him into the spin you know so Hmm. either way it's self-inflicted uh yeah but either way those williams had a pretty amazing pace this weekend was not expect or this past weekend was not expected at all so uh so good on Logan for making the most of that. But Alex, I mean, let's talk about, let's, uh, I kind of jumped the gun. I wanted to talk a little bit about quality before we talk about the race. Um, at least the top three, um, Max Verstappen obviously qualifies on pole Lando Norris behind him. And then, uh, it was Checo behind him from there. Is it Checo? No, Checo was in seventh. Sorry. I fucking knew that. I already said that. Um, Fernando in fifth. Who was in fourth and third? Give me a sec. Sorry, I should have had this shit queued up. Uh, so, um, so Alex was in fourth. Fernando fifth. Alex, Carlos sixth. Yeah, that's right. Okay, the man I shut you up to talk about. Um. What a goddamn qualifying from Alex Albon. Puts it P4, second row, right next to his good buddy, George Russell, who he ends up overtaking in the race. Um, Lando Norris, a great qualifying for him. Heartbreak at the start of the race. Let's talk about that in a second. But the big standouts <laughs> to me here are uh, Alex Albon, P4, uh, Sergio Perez, P7, and then Lance Stroll, P11. That, to me, is, uh, is a little bit unforgivable. Um, same thing with Sergio Perez. Qualifying P7 behind a Williams, behind a Mercedes, an Aston Martin, and a McLaren when you're in the fastest car on the grid. It's unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, good on Checo for at least making it into Q3. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. He's He's got to be more consistently up there yeah and this know, doesn't come from a, a fan perspective like you and i saying oh Checo, we need more out of you but i think the uh, the powers that be at the team are going to be saying shit like that yeah and it was like such a weird weekend too because there was like mixed messages being put out like in one interview helmet said that like Checo needs to perform if he wants to guarantee his seat and then in a separate interview he said that he is guaranteed for next year I didn't hear that second one. Yeah, and then Christian Horner. I think Christian Horner said something too about Checo being back next year. So see, there's like real, real mixed messages going out, and so it's really 
That's what makes me what. not trust it. The second they want you to trust them, that's when they're untrusting. I'd <laughs> trust them more if they said absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, but they have to. I mean, they're getting asked this question every weekend. You know? I'm sure. This is, this is the time, especially because there hasn't been a, a contract announced for him next year. So Yeah. Oh, another uh, surprise in qualifying was Lewis Hamilton qualified P13. Yeah, I I I forget what what happened with him. What was that? It was just the timing. I think they messed up the timing of it. He he didn't really get like at least his last lap in Q two. It just was not quick enough. And then uh, Logan was one of the ones to put him out, I believe. Um, and then mm. Pierre Gasly also didn't have a great um, qualifying. Yeah, Neither did qualif- his teammate. His teammate didn't make it yeah. into Q two. Oof. Yeah, great. Uh, that was an exciting quality. You know, you have almost 10 different teams. You have, I think, what is it, eight different teams in the top 10? That's, that's just yeah, about that's, lovely. Maybe that's seven. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring up is that it was very apparent this this race, but it's it's becoming more of the trend along the season where we're seeing the team split, where it's you're not necessarily seeing, you know, uh, the Ferraris group together or the Mercedes group together. You're seeing the more dominant driver up in the yeah. top, top seven, eight area. And then the less dominant driver, usually down, down in that subpar pack. I wonder know? if that has to do with talent levels, just differentiating, or if there's something going on overall in the paddock where there's less teamwork being played. Uh, yeah. It's hard to say. Cause you know, when you get, teams as they're developing you know one car will have a certain uh set of aerodynamics another car will have a different setup or you know so it's hard to say but at at the same time like it's been pretty regularly that like fernando alonso (laughs) oh i mean obviously yeah it's been pretty regularly that that lewis has been performing better than george and you know yeah say the same with carlos performing better than charles so it's uh you know i think it's just a trend we're seeing but yeah um i mean that's that's the obvious you know there is obviously a number one and number two driver at most teams despite what the teams themselves want to say and that has to do with talent levels most of the time except for in the case of aston martin where that's it's a blurry line because we already know but uh but yeah it is interesting that we're seeing such a gap in each team and, you know, and each certain teams, it's bigger than others. Like the Williams gap is fucking insane. And that mm-hmm. it's one of two things. It's that Alex Albon is really becoming the driver that we've all known he can be this year or Logan Sargent really is terrible and undeserving of that seat. I hope it's not, I hope it's more of the first one and not the second one because it could be, God, if Colton Herta doesn't work out, who knows when the next time we'll get an American driver in F1. And I would really hate for it to be a one-hit wonder without him even being a hit or a wonder. Yeah, it's a flop. Just a complete miss. That would suck. Um, So for the love of God, Logan, get your shit together. Um, In the race, though, uh, Max Verstappen wins. He ties... uh, Sebastian Vettel's record for nine consecutive victories in a row, followed by Fernando Alonso, and then surprise, surprise, the flying Frenchman Pierre Gasly rounds it out in third. 
So um, I just want to I want to make a point real quick. Uh, this this win this win for Max mm-hmm. it was no easy feat. There's plenty of times, and you know, I know it's 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 a, a vibe out there that oh he's just gonna run away with it every weekend. I think this weekend was a, a pure a good example of him just executing at every point and not making any mistakes and just like totally being on on point. Yeah, it, if Mortal Kombat flawless victory. A lot of shit could go wrong. Anytime something can go wrong, it will go wrong. But Max being literal perfection made sure that it didn't. He drove the first lap when it started pouring on slick tires. They pitted his teammate, and that actually... He ended up doing two. Did he do two? So he pitted on lap three. Well, it was on the second one that he when he came back around, yeah. So yeah, so he did the first two laps on... Slicks, because he had already passed the pit window when it really started coming down. Right? hmm But it started pouring on lap one. That's when the rain yes. started, because Correct. going into the first few Correct. turns, that's when the announcers announced, oh, shit, now it's literally j- somebody just opened a window, and it's, it's a torrential yeah, it's downpour. Kinda, it's kind of crazy, too. Like, I, I just rewatched uh, like the beginning of the race, and you could see... Like as they're, it's all dry, dry, dry until they get to like, I don't know, what is it like turn nine or 10? And then Mm. all of a sudden, as soon as they all go around the corner, it's just complete like rain. Yeah. (laughs) All the tracks. It was nuts. Right out of the gate. And literally as soon as it was lights out, nobody saw it. It was bone dry. And then as soon as the lights go out around a couple, a couple turns, you know, turns into a completely different track, but they pit Sergio Perez right away. And that saves his race. I think had they not done that strategy. He is probably midfield in this race because he ends up getting a five-second penalty. And, and let's say that five-second penalty never really happens, but still, that puts him up in the upper echelon of the field, the top, top four or five, I think, because of that pit strategy. But Max goes two extra laps on slick tires in the wet on a banking turn in traffic and is able to hold everything together. Not everybody was able to do that. We had a couple of cars going off track. I don't know if there was any major collisions, maybe some wheel-to-wheel bumping, but... He ended up staying out of it. He has more come from behind shit. So 100%, just like you were saying, this was a not an, a clean clean win for Max. It wasn't like uh, yeah. he was able to just breeze by. Yeah. Um, a lot of teams really blew that first pit stop. Oh, yeah. There's a specific orange team that we should probably talk about. Yeah, who, that was really... Uh, Great qualifying speed, great qualifying performance, Lando, P2. Um, but, yeah, they both missed that first lap pit window and then missed it again on lap two, and then Lando missed it again on lap three. I think he pitted on lap four or something like that. I can Basically, understand. when they were... I can understand not pitting one of your drivers, because that's that's a strategic move. You you barely double stack, uh, you know. Even yeah. in intermediate tire weather, but to not pit either one when the entire field has pitted at least one driver, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, they along with Mercedes and a couple, of, I guess Williams also, they all thought that the rain was only going to last a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it didn't and <laughs> everyone that tried to uh well here's the thing 
So like with Albon, for instance, right? Like he ended up just staying out on the slicks the entire time. He didn't even go pitting to pit for enters because, you know, you're going to lose 40 seconds right there just going to enters and back, Mm -hmm. which is what Mercedes and McLaren did. And that ended up being the downfall of their entire race. I mean, Lewis was able to salvage it, but uh, George, George's race went straight down. Oh, man, you love to see it. You love to see it. I had I wrote I wrote down Pierre Gasly did the Lord's work. He kept George at bay. They were up in you know fighting for uh, some of the points there, probably right like right in there in the four five six spot. I forget exactly where they were, but Gasly was able to keep George behind him, and it was beautiful. And then later on in the race, with Lewis on his ass, George put his rear right tire or oh his rear gosh. left tire into the dirt, and then almost flew off into the fucking wall. Yeah. Later, he ends up going into the wall like anyways. You're on hard tires, mate. You got to chill. <laughs> yeah. <Can't> be- <laughs> Your teammates on softs. You're on hards. Yeah. And, and you're trying to weave the track and try and keep him at bay. Yeah. And then he's on the radio uh, complaining. I was forecast for a podium. What happened? Yeah. <sighs> Just. Cry, uh, baby. Not great. Not great. Cue the Janice Joplin. So, uh, so question. Yeah. Did Max get let off easy when he pushed Gasly off the track? Turn three. Turn three? Six. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think he got let off easy. I did know exactly what you were talking about. Here's the thing. He had more than a car length, half a car length going into the turn. I think because of how wide that is, he's able to take extra space, which he did. Gasly had time enough to slow down, secede the position. He didn't exactly run him off track either because if he ran him directly off track, he would have ran him into the wall. But also seconds before that, Gasly goes wheel-to-wheel with Max and bumps him. Did he? Yep. If you go back and watch it, Gasly bumps Max. Hmm. So Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think, yeah, it was a close one. I, I feel like... <sighs> Did they investigate it? Like, a lot of people think that, you know, if it was somebody like like Yuki, for instance, right? <laughs> like when Yuki got his penalty, it was kind of if it was it was a tough call, but and it was it felt like it was an over like a bit egregious for him to get that strong of a penalty, but you understand why they did it. And so situation like this, ooh, is FIA like just being taking it easy on Max? Or do they really uh assess this properly and think that it was far less of a a dangerous move than something like what Yuki did. I don't think it was dangerous. That's the thing. If anything, it's aggressive and it's racing. And I'm not just saying that because it's Max, because I, yes, I like Max, but I'm also not in favor of favoritism. And I'm, I'm excited to see Max lose a race. (laughs) You know, I'll be excited when that happens. I'll also be excited if he doesn't, because he's in, Tip-top shape, and you have to appreciate that, like we've been talking about recently. But I don't think it was uh, much ado outside of uh, an aggressive driving style, which Max is known for. People, of course, are going to come hunting for his head because they fucking hate him. They're jealous. They want. They need somebody to hate. It's all that hashtag Team LH shit. So that's my take. Okay. Uh, Alonzo. How about, how about Alonzo? His early uh, jump 
uh, beginning of the race, I guess it was like the first two turns he passed, uh, both, uh, Alex and, um, Lando. He was flying. He was Dude. absolutely flying out there. Um, just watching him, just watching him get around. Cause he followed, he followed Max. He didn't go in right away. And so he stayed out on the soft tires in the super, super torrential rain in the beginning. And it was so crazy watching Alonzo navigate that because he was so smooth compared to everybody else. It was like, it was like he could have just stayed out there the entire time and probably not only that, like, I mean, managed he, it. yeah, he got a great jump off the line. And then when they did the restart, the rolling restart later on towards the end of the race, he was right on Max's ass right there. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have like, I don't think he had like the best qualifying, you know, he finished, he qualified P five. Yeah. But in the race, which I mean to say qualified P five, like not the best start. He's for her four hundredths of a second or four tenths of a second off of uh P two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So not not like he's super behind, but it was a tight pack. Uh but one hell of a race from Fernando Alonso. He even had to put up with a slow pit stop that cost him yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, it was rough. And then he just he still is able to Chad Nando it and get himself uh, a P two. All right. So this was this brought up my other thought, we can because we wanted to talk about Ferrari. Okay. So, well, hold on. I want to yeah. talk a little bit more about Aston Martin. Okay. Okay. Because with that, I think Aston Martin has got to make a decision on what they're going to do with Lance Stroll. When you have a weekend where you're you're you have one of your drivers challenging one of the greatest performances that we've ever seen in Formula One, he's challenging that driver. And Fernando Alonso versus Max Verstappen, and then your other driver is putting in fucking P12 results, bullshit like that, or wherever Lance ended up in the race. They need to make a decision. And with Lance telling us that he wants to go back to school and he wants to become a tennis player, I think the writing's on the wall. That's going to be his easy exit. Yeah, when though? Is it going to be... Uh, in, do it now. Uh, when this era when this era is always going to live... Like ride it out till twenty six, or is he gonna? If they're smart, they get it done now. The sooner, the better. The sooner you can get a better driver backing up Fernando while he's still, you know, racing the way that he is. Because motherfucker's what forty two years old. Yeah, he doesn't have that much long. He doesn't have that much left in him. <laughs> and I know we've said that before. He's already retired one time. Yeah. But you really got to get him back up while you can and give this team its best opportunity to win. Keep this window open as long as you can by getting another driver in there. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're Lawrence, you're putting a lot of money into this team. I know it's your son who's, uh, who's uh, there driving the car, but at a certain point you got to say, hey, you know, I have a lot of other people who are helping put money into this thing. Exactly. And, uh, they're going to have certain expectations. and That's why uh, I think it's going to... longer I can... I don't think it's going to come down to a Lawrence Stroll decision. I think it's going to be a board of directors decision that's going to have to overturn yeah. whatever he has to say because it, right now it just looks ridiculous. It looks absolutely ridiculous. You can look at other teams whose gaps are big and go, well, hey, man, Alex Albon is just driving the shit off of that Williams that's never been good anyways. Yuki has a pretty good weekend here and there, and you go, Yuki drove drove that Alpha Tauri to its bare bones. 
Fernando Alonso is doing an exceptional job in a really good car. He's about where he should be, probably a couple steps ahead because he's Chad Nando. But you have an absolute fucking brick in the back. And they need to do something about it. Yeah. Maybe um maybe give one other give let's get Felipe in there. Let's get let's get Drogovic in there. Give, give Drogovic him, give a try. Couple, give him give him a season. He's gonna be doing P one at Monza. Yeah, let's let's see. If that can, Aston Martin has any real speed, that'll be the track to show it. Yeah, let's 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 see it happen. Let's see one of the young guys get in there and, and learn something from uh, Fernando before he makes his exit. Oh, we got beautiful. So what do you want to say about Ferrari? So, uh, well, there's not only did Ferrari make this mistake, but uh, but Aston Martin made this mistake early. So I, all right, go backwards a little bit. I, I I'm not. I have no experience in it working in a pit crew or being a uh, team strategist. Okay. But I, I personally, if, if I'm watching the beginning of this race and I see there's rain clouds coming, mm-hmm. no, it's going to fall. Even uh-huh. if you know it's, if you think it's only going to be real short, it's only going to be a minute or two, wouldn't you think to at least get the intermediate tires ready so that if your driver does come in, you can just... Very quickly, just just run out like when when your crew runs out there to do the stop, you have the tires already ready. You would think, but Ferrari's think, pit right? crew always finds a way to surprise you in the worst way. Is it safe to say that somehow they are the worst pit crew in all of F one? Which I is, I feel like that's hard to believe. That they're the worst? I think everything that they've ever shown only shows us that they're the worst. Maybe they're know, under the microscope. Just, just like that's just saying that statement just feels so Oh, I know. Funny. It's ridiculous. They're the New York Yankees. They're the Dallas Cowboys. They're the Toronto Maple Leafs. They should have every bit of money available to them and every amount of pull to say, hey, don't you want to come work for the Scuderia? Don't you want to be out in front of the Tifosi? They have nicknames for their shit. You know what I mean? They're that big. They're the the most legendary team in the sport, and yet they have a bunch of fucking dunces working behind the scenes, getting their wheel guns run over. They don't have tires ready. It can be forgiven, that mistake. Like, look at what happened to Checo. Checo makes the his call to go to Inters. Team doesn't have mm-hmm. him ready. That makes sense, right? Yeah, well, me, well, here's the thing. Charles did the same thing. Charles came in without, like, without giving them much warning at all. But even if you don't have like that much, like even if there's no warning before the driver entering the pit lane, like just before that, like you should already have them like pretty much ready to go. Like, I don't, I mean, like I said, I have no experience. I don't know what the actual logistics of that are, but it just seems so ridiculous to, you know, to get that so wrong to where you don't even have something prepared in case, in case you need to go to the intermediates, you have the intermediate tires. Like what other tire compound are they going to go to at that point? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. You can't even go to the full wets anymore because it just turns into a red flag, which was pointless for the guys who ended up actually going on to full wets because like Esteban, who was exactly very upset with. Did you see that at the red flag? Mm-hmm. Esteban arguing with his his yeah. engineer. You know what? Checo got fucking <sighs> lucky, dude. 
he had a terrible stop and ended up getting stopped at the end of the pit lane exit because of the red flag. But had he been a couple seconds ahead and actually yeah. gone out onto track, oh my God, it would have ruined his fucking race. Yeah, he would have got that timing wrong and he yep. would have been back in, was it P5 or 6 that he... Um, I don't so know where he the, was at at the time. He got the five second. He ended up in P4, but he could have fallen back probably. Three. It was three at the restart. No, well, he finished P. Yeah, three at the restart, but he finished his P4 because of the five second penalty. But he would have Correct. fallen back to like five or six. Yeah. Um, keeping on the Ferrari train, though, I, I think that this race potentially had the most implications of anything that we've seen this season. Like, Coming out of this race, I think there's so many different questions. Like everything swirling around after the Ricardo injury and, and the domino effect from there. The good and bad showings at Williams, Ferrari, this and that, Aston Martin, yada, yada, McLaren, bullshit, bullshit. But I think this race had the most implications. So hearkening back to the Ferrari situation, how do you feel at this juncture of the season about Charles Leclerc's future at Ferrari? I mean, with each passing race, especially a weekend like this, to me, it just certain. looks less and less likely that he's going to stay with them long term. Yeah, long term, probably not. Um, and when is his contract over? 25, 24? Uh, my gut says 26, but I'm not positive about that. Let me look it up. Um. Yes, I mean Charles. Obviously, you know, such a such a great talent. Um, any any team would be, I think, excited to have him. So, hmm. I think Ferrari's going to have to really think about what they're doing and and what if if they would want Charles to really be their star driver. Uh, they're going to have to, I think. I don't know. It's hard to say because they already have. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, they're Ferrari. They don't have. There's no excuse for Ferrari to be like, you know, they're really going to have to uh, batten down the hatches and buckle, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, whatever analogy you want to use. Like, you're Ferrari. You guys should already be on top of that. If the experiment with this world class young talent hasn't worked out on either end, it's got to be over soon. I think so. What I'm looking at right here on, on just this headline, it looks like. He is tentatively signed through, and I, that doesn't mean anything tentatively, but he says he's staying beyond 2024. So maybe his contract is signed through 2024. So maybe he has one more year and he's verbally agreed that he'll re-sign for more. But fuck, dude, if I'm him, yeah, so- the, the experiment has failed. Everybody wants to drive the red car. Everybody wants to win a world championship in the red car. It has mm-hmm. not worked out. They need a complete yeah. overhaul at Ferrari. They need to do pull an Aston Martin, or not an Aston Martin. Well, yes, an Aston Martin, but an Alpine, and do like a complete yeah. overhaul. They need to get rid of a lot of their pit people, a complete overhaul in their front offices, their racing strategy, all that shit, because it seems like they've just sort of shuffled a couple of deck chairs, move this guy here, move this guy out, put this person who's kind of already in our system there, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, and then Burn a lot it of the down. problems are... Yeah, a lot of the problems are still there, so... Yeah, I think you're right. I think they have to change a lot. There has to be complete overhaul in order yeah. to make it attractive for Charles to want to stay any longer. Uh, I think you get to 25 and you're looking at the new regulations and all that stuff. It's like if 
you're him, do you really want to take that risk? I say fuck that. uh, If if you're Charles Leclerc, no. Don't fucking do it. It's been a failed experiment from the start. It's been nothing but heartbreak. You've had two championship attempted seasons gone completely awry. It ain't happening. It's not going to get any better next year. Go somewhere else. Start fresh. Yeah. So then who would who would be the new Ferrari golden child? I don't know. Well, Car- golden Carlos, child. Carlos is not going to stick around to usurp that throne. So You don't think Carlos is going to stick around at Ferrari? I mean, the grumblings are that he's going to Audi. So I think that's a real possibility unless... <laughs> Unless Charles goes there instead of, Car- that, of Carlos. That, exactly. I think, despite what the results on this season say, I think that Charles Leclerc gets his pick of the litter of the open seats. Wherever there's an open seat, Charles Leclerc can make a call. If it's the you know Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes seat, if it's an Audi in 2026, if it's a Red Bull next year, whatever, you know. Whatever the seat may be, Charles Leclerc gets his pick of the litter. He's got a no-movement clause, basically. Where would you like to see him go? I don't know. I See, I would, I would like to be in a situation where Ferrari isn't a piece of shit and have him be the golden child because that's the right story, right? Mm-hmm. That's the story that we all want to hear. That, I, would pick that, I would pick them getting their fucking head out of their ass the rest of the season and give him a reason to stay mm-hmm. than him going somewhere else, even though that's completely counterintuitive to everything I've just said. But if I had to pick, God, uh, I'd want to see him go to Mercedes, I think. That's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know. It, that's a good look. I think he, he would be a good fit. If it's not going to be there. Alex, who uh, we should probably talk about too, then I think it would be great if Charles Leclerc could go there. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think he, uh, his future at Ferrari is certain. I don't see him staying there outside of at least one more year. If he does do a twenty, if he does sign a new contract, I think it's a, a one year contract with Ferrari. And just a little extension. Mm-hmm. Just another uh, a bridge contract, as you would call it in other sports. Yeah. Um, Logan Sargent's future at Williams, I think, is uh, in complete jeopardy. We talked about that a little bit. Um, each passing race, I think uh, his window of opportunity there is getting smaller and smaller, uh, while Alex is, is just growing. And I think Alex has put himself in a good predicament on whether or not he wants to stay with Williams and be their guy long-term if he actually sees the team's recency bias in trajectory as a good thing and, and sustainable long-term, does he want to be the Williams guy? Seems like a nice fit for now, but goddamn, I've said it before, would it be sexy to see Alex Albon sign with another top team? I would love to see that. He whether, deserves uh, it. Whether one of those Ferrari seats opens up, in, I'll, I'll bash them all I want, but seeing Alex Albon in a Ferrari, it's just, oh, oh. And then that's when I really hope that they turn their shit around. Yeah, I don't know. With all the problems that it sounds like they have with that car, it's 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 not going to be one of those where it's oh you just manage the tires for fifty six laps and bring it home. It's it's just that it would be it's, fun. It's, got a more... it's just that because of how much I love Alex and then the history with yeah. Ferrari that it would just be fun. Like anybody that gets in that seat, like it was a big deal when Carlos signs signed with Ferrari. Was like, Holy shit! 
Carlos got himself a fucking yeah. Ferrari drive. Damn. Be the same thing for Alex Albon. Ideally, though, I think uh, if he were to move from Williams, um, I would like to see him in either an Aston Martin or a Mercedes. But uh, I think he's put himself in a good predicament. And we talked about it last week. I think, what was it, five teams have come calling for him? Yeah. Helmet Marco says that we can rule Red Bull out. He says that that, uh, yeah. that is not going to happen and that he wishes Alex all the best. Yeah, that chapter's closed. Yeah. So, but I think Which, I think hey, the man, Mercedes good. connection. I think the Mercedes connection is huge. I think that's definite uh, potential for him. So. Yeah. Good thing, you know. I would love to see Alex in uh, in the Red Bull. I don't blame him or the team for wanting to completely split ways and amicable split like that. But it, if that's the case, I think it also shows that Max Verstappen might be committed a little bit longer term because you can't have a driver who's potentially marking himself as a future number one driver coming to a team like Red Bull to be a number two when he's already been that number two. So that's a big implication right there. The way I see it, that uh, Max might stick around a little bit longer than he's let on. You know? Yeah. It's hard to say. I think think as long as he's winning, he'll be... He'll be happy. <laughs> He'll still keep racing. I think as long as he's breaking records and as long as he has his eye on, like a, a confident eye on a record, no matter what the record is, as long as it's within reach, like whether it's the seven world championship record, whether it's most consecutive wins, most points in a season, anything like that, as long as Max is making history because he knows he's a history-making driver. If he gets stagnant and is winning nine, eight, nine races a season, but still winning a world championship, I could see him bowing out and being like, I did what I did. I'm not here for 24 races a year. I'm going to go to Le Mans. I'm going to go to IndyCar. I'm going to rally. I'm going to do iRacing. That's everything that he said he wants to do and that he doesn't want to spend his 24 weekends a year traveling. Yeah, as long as they don't add more races, he'll, uh, he'll stay on. The I could circuit. see him, if they keep it at 24, <laughs> I can see him getting burnt out. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, how much money uh, does he really need, you know? Exactly. He's, he's already fucking loaded. Uh, but it does make the Red Bull situation outside of Max a little bit crazier. And outside of the race, even, uh, let's look at Checo's performance because he had a good performance in the race. Another recovery drive, which is becoming his absolute mantra. Every weekend that he has is a recovery drive because he's missed qualifying. He's missed Q3 in qualifying. God, I mean, we've beat this drum too many times. He's missed it, what, six, seven times this year? Yeah, I, mean, I think recovery is a very uh, generous word to use. I think it's it's more like playing catch-up. Well, this week, you could probably call it a recovery drive. Starting P7, that's a little bit more of a recovery drive. But catch-up, no, I would say catch-up this week. Everything else has been a recovery drive. He's completely saving his weekend by going long on hard tires and, you know, climbing his way up from the double digits back onto the podium. Everything's been a recovery drive. Yeah, but I'm more, I'm more mean that he does, shouldn't really be putting himself in that situation to begin with. Oh, that, that's so. exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying is that he's underperforming. The, the car is outperforming him. Yeah. Which, uh, not good if we're talking about, you know, swirling rumors and all that shit. Um, also... There was a thing that happened in the race where, uh, where Max undercut Checo. Checo yeah. led the race after a little bit, and uh, they just Checo goes on the radio and he goes, did Max just undercut us? And they didn't even try and lie about it. 
blatantly, Checo's engineer goes, yeah. Yeah, he did. I mean, here's the thing. They were they just avoided the inevitable, right? Like if if they they did the pit pit stops opposite, you know, Max at that point already had far better pace than Checo. Would have eventually caught up to him and would have had to make a move on him. But I think them pitting Max first allowed him to do the undercut. Just kind of avoided all that. Yeah. And in, at the end of the day, it's just honesty. Like they they didn't go for optics on that one. Like, uh, 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 Checo, just focus on your race. No, yeah, we got undercut. We got undercut by our teammate because it had to be done. Got to do what you got to do, bro. Just uh, get in there, with, just, yeah. just finish the races. and, and With each don't. passing race, though, my confidence in Checo staying at Red Bull is uh, dwindling. Yeah, if, if anything, maybe one more year, and that's that's probably going to be it. If we if Next he sees out, looking tough, yeah, it's looking tough. If he sees out the rest of his contract at Red Bull, good. We'll get another year of Checo in a top team car. If they decide to sit, to go with somebody else, which is seeming more and more likely to me, I won't be shocked at all. Not no. in the slightest. Um, which takes me to my next thing. I think. Uh, I think it's pretty definitive that uh, I think Yuki's going to end up outracing Daniel at Alfatori as soon as Daniel gets back, if he gets back. I mean, Yuki had a really good showing this week. Yeah, Daniel's going to have a hell of a time when he comes back. It's going to be what? I, I think it's going to be an if he comes back situation. I can see Liam Lawson finishing out the rest of the season. I mean, Liam potentially could all the way up until Mexico, I think. I think the only date he has that overlaps with Super Formula is the Mexico Grand Prix. Mm. But I mean, if uh, if Daniel comes back at Qatar, that's only one, two, three, four, five, six races. Finish out the year. Yeah, it's almost it's like what's the point? What's it's the point? Yeah, it's, you it's might as well like, let Liam finish out the season and and get all these reps under his belt. Right. I mean, he had a very composed race this weekend, as did Yuki. I, I, that's why I brought this up. I wanted to give props to Yuki for how solid he looked. He was running in P3 at one point, I believe. Yeah, just they got he got screwed by trying to uh, make those soft tires last longer than they really... Yeah, he's not known for his tire management. Don't try and outthink your car, Yuki. But what, I mean, if Daniel's not back till Mexico, man, there's what, three races after that? Just let yeah, the kid I race. Mean, I don't know. So, well, he got he got Lance's uh, surgeon, so hopefully uh, be a speedy recovery for him. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, you already – he just had – he got, what, two races, and then they had a four-week break, <laughs> and then didn't really get – he got two practice sessions, and that was bad. And so he got like one in an eighth like a, practice session. That was it was early on in the practice in the session that in FP two, right? right? Right. So you imagine like another six to eight weeks at least of recovery, and then coming back in after that. That's gonna be tough. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a tall order for him to really. And then you have to look any, at things. any kind of result. Yeah, you have to then play the what if game. What if Liam Lawson is doing a suitable job in that car. Then you disrupt his development by bringing Daniel Ricardo back, which yeah. if, if everything I believe 
the whole Daniel Ricardo experiment is for makes everything pointless. You know, if if he's really there just to test uh, Yuki and Checo, put their asses up against the wall, then bringing him back for the last few races is pointless yeah. because that that yeah. experiment is already gone. Yeah, I mean, if that really was like their only uh, goal with bringing him back, I feel like that's kind of short sighted because I mean, obviously, yeah, you want to test uh, Yuki's abilities, but also you want to have another driver in the pipeline for yourself, right? Like you need to sure. get some development going on, right? So to, you know, you should be, they should be using this time for drivers like Liam to get in there and uh, prove themselves and, and uh, get some experience. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It makes Daniel Ricardo being there pointless. I don't think yeah. that he's there to be the number one or number two driver at either of those teams. I just, I'm not convinced of that. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying that with him out, he might as well, Stay out, and it's not me just hating on Daniel Ricciardo. It's it's literally for the if you're looking at this team long term, they've already won the constructors championship. There's no need for, you know, the development of some older driver, the redevelopment of some guy who's already been on your team. I don't know. Either way, let's thirty uh, year old. Yeah, let's. Uh, you want to wrap this baby up? Go to our bold predictions. Yeah, and, uh, say, yeah. Um. So our bold predictions for the Dutch Grand Prix. Um. You started off what you thought there might be a protest did not happen. I was thinking that just with there's a lot of political and social swirling that's been going on. And uh, something about it gave me a feeling that it was going to be uh, tense. And uh, I don't think I could have missed any harder. It was, it was potentially the least tense race I've ever seen. It was nothing but good but a good time. Yeah, the chillest of vibes. It was fucking, it was kiss all the way. The, the plurist of vibes. Plur. Uh, so your second one was Lando Norris on pole. Very close. Uh, at one point he was up there, but of course the the golden child, Max Verstappen. It was close, but it also wasn't close. I think Max beat him by four tenths. Half a second. Half a second, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it was close in the standings, but in time yeah. it was it was not. Yeah. Um, but a lengthy then, swing. Uh, yeah, and then your third one, you had a Alpine on the podium, but there's no caveat. I I thought you did. I thought you did specify. No. You said that it was no no be no 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 no. I said I think, and here's where I luck out. I said I think it's going to be an Alpine because they're I I get the sneaky suspicion that they're going to have a sneaky good weekend. Uh huh. And then you said and I. You said, not that I'm going to hold you to it, but if you had to pick, which Alpine driver do you think it's going to be? And I said, it's going to be yeah. Esteban Ocon, and God damn, did I get that wrong. I got the first yeah. part right, but I got that second part brutally, brutally wrong, but still. Yeah, yeah I mean, I was going to give it to you. I wasn't trying to like pull one over. but the predict. I mean, I, uh, I, I missed that by a long shot, but still. The point but, prediction yeah. on paper, I got right, and I needed it. Yeah. I figured it would have been Gasly the whole the whole time. Yeah, right. But yeah, you know I'll what's even worse? One. What's even one. worse was I I did an emphatic no way it's gonna be Pierre Gasly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey man, so, we take them dubs, baby. Hey, you take it. Uh, so I thought there would be a McLaren on the podium. Unfortunately, oh. that was all undone on lap one. I would have loved um, it. Yeah, I thought Max would. 
uh, not be on pole for qualifying. But of course, prove me wrong. And then I thought that George would beat Lewis, but uh, that uh, was also undone. Uh, the only thing George was beating was his head against the wall as he walked himself. I mean, back. George had every opportunity. He started what P two or not P two? What am I talking about? P three or P four? P three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. P three. So. He was forecast for a podium, I guess. Um, I mean, the forecasts did say, George, so we're so sorry, mate. We're so sorry to tell you the forecast was wrong. Yeah, forecast my Dumbass. ass. Um, so, uh, race of this year standings. Are we gonna Are we going to say number one? I don't know about you, but I am going with the Dutch Grand Prix as the best race of the year. I think... I think so. Just because of the weather and just that added uh, factor of difficulty, I think, for all the drivers. I think it had, it. yeah, it had everything. It, we literally yeah. had wet portions. We had completely dry portions. We had wheel-to-wheel action. We had a look at a possible battle for first place a couple of times. We had great midfield and backfield action. I don't know if you saw these stats, but there were a total of 186 overtakes at the Dutch Grand Prix, 63 overtake, overtakes on lap three alone. Yeah, now, new record. All of, yeah, new all record. of that is indicative and implicative of, I don't even know if implicative is a word. It's probably it not. Is now. It is now. It is now. We're putting it on a t-shirt. But it, it's a result of the rain, but this is where rain can make things exciting. Rain can ruin a race, and it can and completely wash out a race. It can take like what's usually a good track and, and turn it into a sloppy shit fest, or it can make a track that kind of you know is difficult to drive at, like Zandvoort, and turn it into something exciting. And that's exactly what it did. Yeah, it took the deck and completely shuffled it, which was yeah, a cool thing to to see. You know, and it probably Seen, uh, Joe running up in second for a few laps was dude for a fun. while. Yeah. He held his own up there. He was the first one to pit, right? Uh, wasn't the first, but he was in that first group, I believe. Okay, so. but he made out like yeah, Gasly. Gasly. It was funny uh, watching. I watched a little bit of onboard. I guess it was Yuki's that I was watching. Where like it, on that very first lap, he's like, "Let's pit, 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 pit." No, we're gonna stay out. We're gonna stay out. Pit, 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 pit. I'm pitting. I'm pitting. And then just goes in there like, "Okay, uh, okay, go ahead and pit." <laughs> like as he's pulling in. Uh, Yuki was uh, making his own call like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's why he had a really slow stop on that first. I mean, everybody I think just made their own call. I think on that first lap, and that's why everybody, all the teams were kind of caught off guard. But good, um, I think we need more of that yeah. shit. We need everybody needs a little bit more Carlos signs in him. You know, yeah, Carlos is known for calls. doing that shit, just being like, "I know I'm coming in." Yeah. So nobody knows better than the man behind the wheel. What else? Um, I think that's it for, for this week. Okay. Dope. So, cool. Cool, that. man. Well, looking forward to our, uh, do our preview for Monza. Monza. And, uh, yeah, yeah that'll be that a quick be one. Fun. Oh so. yeah. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, blah, blah, blah. This has been Into Cheers. the Chicane, the post Dutch Grand Prix edition. Peace. Peace. <laughs>